Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Well, today I want to expound on this idea and bring you to a very interesting portion of Scripture. It's a little bit strange and somewhat even difficult to understand, but today we're going to work through it, and I hope we're going to gain an understanding of one of the strangest aspects of the New Testament. And I I believe it's not just a warning, but it's an encouragement as well. And so uh, I, I, I hope that you prepare your hearts and your mind and your faith Today I'm speaking from the subject, nothing but leaves, nothing but leaves. We're reading in Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 to 22, and the word of the Lord says this. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, this is speaking about Jesus, and he's coming to the city of Jerusalem, he became hungry, and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it, and he found nothing on it but only leaves. The verse goes on, says, and he said to the tree, may no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how did the fig tree wither at once? It's a strange miracle. And Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, You will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And he goes on to say, and whatever you ask in prayer, you'll receive if you have faith. I wonder today, when Jesus stands before the tree of your life and he examines it closely, what will he find? When he stands before the tree of our church and he examines it closely, what will he find? Will he find figs or only leaves? Will he find faith and fruit or only show? See, faith always produces fruit. Amen? Faith always produces fruit. The the outflow of a life of faith is a life of fruitfulness because you cannot have faith without it showing up. You can't have faith without it affecting others, without it being visible and tangible and real. You can touch faith. You can taste faith. You can see faith. And, and, and it has a, has a reality amongst it. But the, the problem is when Jesus sees this tree, there's only leaves, which is the look of life, but not the reality of it. It's the look of blossom, but no fruit is attached. It looks healthy, but it's just a look. See, that's religion. Is religion is a form of godliness, but it lacks the power. It's got the look, but it lacks life. It's all presentation. And my hope is that you and I would be Jesus followers that don't just have the look of life, but have the reality of faith at work in our life. Can you say amen? Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, as I speak, will you speak right now, God? God, we don't want to just be here for show and presentation. Uh, we don't want to fold our arms and, 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 and uh, push against your spirit of conviction or encouragement or change. But right now we open ourselves wide open. We open our hearts, 
our minds, even our spirits to your Holy Spirit. Will you come and will you open up this word to us? Show us what it meant then and how it applies today. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. Today we're going to try and make sense of this story where Jesus curses a fig tree. And it's a strange story. It's the only miracle in the Bible that Jesus did where there, it seems to have a negative attachment to it. Every other miracle was an extreme positive, but this one ends with a lack of fruit coming from the tree. And it's almost as if before Jesus goes to the cross, he was trying to show us an aspect of his personality that maybe we missed in the three and a half years of his ministry. And the fact is, he's still the judge. And he's still just. And, and we've got to see him through the lens of this light. And we see Jesus do this. And, and uh, this, this story brings up a lot of questions. Like, what happened to Jesus? Did he lose his temper? Did he strike out in anger? Was it sin? Was he having a bad day? What was going on? that would cause him to curse this poor little fig tree. I feel like I've had a moment like this in my life. I was driving with my friends in his 1988 Red Oldsmobile and coming back through Providence and the back roads. And one day it started to rain. I mean, downpour out of nowhere, kind of like the weather we've been having on off. But this kind of rain was, it wasn't like rain. It was like, like a waterfall or a, a, a heavenly faucet turned on. Have you ever been in rain like that where you can't even see like three feet ahead? It was like that and scary. And we got stuck behind a row of cars because there was a flash flood that came through and there was a river and none of the cars wanted to try and get through. And for some reason, you know, me and all my friends, we're hyping up the driver like, let's go, go through. Who knows why? We we're in a rush to nowhere. <laughs> go through, man. And he goes, all right. He goes, all right. He goes up over the curb. And goes into the parking lot to try and cross over like a, a barrier into the next parking lot and grow, go around the river. The only problem is it was raining so hard we didn't see the stump that was there between the two parking lots. He caught air and landed on the stump. It lifted us up in the air and spinning his tires. And it's not even touching the ground. It's just spinning mud, no traction, pouring rain. And wouldn't you know it, that by chance, we looked up and we were right in front of a tow shop. <laughs> the Lord has looked upon us this day. And all of the guys were right out front of the towing company. And they were looking at us. And they were laughing. But, you know, I was young and bright-eyed, and I thought, of course, there's trouble. People are going to help. I got out of the car and I said, will you guys help us? And they said, do you have 150 bucks? We said, We're, we, don't have, we don't have 15 bucks. And they said, oh, you're on your own. And they went inside and they closed the garage doors. Other company. Baffling. So me and my friends had to do it ourselves. We're pushing the car and pulling it and going nowhere and got no traction. It's pouring rain. We're all muddy, soaked. And we pull out his prized possession, this titanium poker box set. And we put it under the tire to get traction, you know. And of course, it got no traction and we ruined his prized possession. Finally, we had to call a dad to come and help us. And, and he towed us out of there. And, and I'll never forget as I was going to get in the car, I looked at that towing company and I said, Lord, we are your children. 
And in our hour of need, these heathens, they acted ungodly towards your people. So I curse this business. May it shrivel up and wither and die. Amen. Well, I've been driving past that towing shop for 15 years, and it has still been open since that day. I think businesses have even gotten better for them. See, when, when Jesus cursed this fig tree, it wasn't out of anger. It wasn't out of spite. It wasn't out of retaliation. It was a representation of something deeper that's going on. When Jesus approached the fig tree, you have to understand that there, he approached it in a larger context. And we're not going to be able to understand this story unless we understand the setting that it happened in. So we find Jesus as arrived in Jerusalem on the week of his crucifixion. This story happened the day after Palm Sunday. And do you know today is Palm Sunday? Right after Jesus came over the hill and the people shouted, Hosanna, and, and Jesus came to the, the city of God, to the people of God, his chosen people, and the question in the air is, will they accept him as Messiah? Will they receive him as the Son of God? This is, this is the climax of Jesus' ministry. This is the pinnacle of humanity. He's arrived at the place of God amongst the people of God. And it's almost as if all of heaven leans in and, and all of earth leans in. And the question is, will there be faith? That you're the one. Will it be Hosanna? Or will it be give us Barabbas? And this question is lingering in the air. And in this setting, Jesus rises early in the morning and he walks towards the city of God. And Jerusalem is in the distance. But along the way, he sees a tree and it's a fig tree. Now what you have to understand is the fig tree represents Israel. From the Old Testament into the New. It's a representation of the nation state of Israel. And I, I, I can almost see this image that God is painting. Where here... In, the, in, the, in the, the, the very holiest city on earth, the city that should be filled with faith. And, and here, standing in front of the tree, which is, represents the nation, the question is, will they recognize their Savior? Will there be faith? Will there be fruit? And from a long way off, Jesus sees that there are, there are leaves on this tree. It's an indication that that there might be life. And so the master of the universe, the creator of this tree, stands before it. And he stands before Israel. He stands before his people now as a judge. And, and, and there's, an, there's an air and an element of hope even in this moment. As Jesus is approaching the leaves, he's wondering, will I find fruit? Will I find faith? I'm here. I've arrived. I've given them everything they would need to be fruitful. I've sent the prophets and the priests and the law. And I've preached for three and a half years, done miracles, and I've rescued. And it's almost like, is something going to change right now? What am I about to find when I enter into Israel? And you remember even in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said to God, Lord, if there's any other way to let this cup pass. So there's still like an element of question in the air. What's Jesus going to find? When he stands before his chosen people, what will their response be? Will, they, will he find the fruit of faith? 
See, to understand what's happening in this moment, we got to go back to the Old Testament where Jesus, God, spoke to Hosea, the prophet. And he says to Hosea, when I found Israel, it was like I found grapes in the middle of the desert. It was an uncanny find, and, and it was supernatural. And he said, when I found them, it was like finding a fig tree with the early shoots just budding through and the early fruit on the tree. And I rescued Israel, and I brought them to the promised land. But Jesus says, but there, instead of worshiping me, they began to worship Baal, this evil idol. And they became as vile as the evil that they worshiped. To understand what's happening in this moment, you got to know that verse. you got to know the verse in Jeremiah where God says, look, if you would have repented, I, I would have received you. But since you have rejected me, I reject you. And I curse, and Jesus literally says this in Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 8, the fig tree that your tree will not produce fruit and it will wither and it will die. But there's one more verse in the Old Testament. And it's a good verse. It's in the book of the Song of Solomon, which is all about a husband coming for his bride. And in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 13, in this season of love, he begins to speak about a fig tree. It forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. And here's the call. Arise. Come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. And, and, and the question is, when Jesus approaches this tree, what is he going to find? Is he going to find the tree, the people that bowed to Baal, or is he going to find a fig tree with its early fruit? The fruit of repentance, the fruit of acceptance, the fruit of love. And, and Jesus, the groom, he's ready and willing. I mean, look at the resurrection language, arise. Come, my darling, come, my beautiful one, come with me. What is that? That's an invitation to relationship. That's an invitation to coming up higher. That's an invitation to harvest and, and fellowship. Know this, Jesus doesn't stand just before Israel. He stands before the church. He doesn't just stand before them. He stands before us. And the question is, when he stands before us, what will he find? Will we answer the invitation of God to come away with him, to be in relationship with him, to join him in the resurrection? The, the question is, will there be fruit? And Jesus stood before Israel and he stood before that fig tree. And the reality is, though, he looked and he searched for fruit, he found none. The book of John tells us that he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Another verse in this passage says they didn't recognize him. Jesus came and he searched, but that there was no reciprocation from the people whom he had chosen. Have you ever, have you ever told someone you loved them? And they didn't say, I love you back. <laughs> I, like, I like this illustration because it's kind of funny, but it, it breaks some people's hearts instantly. It's like the pain is there. Like, ah, I thought I was over that. You know, they say, you say, I love you. And they're like, oh, thank you. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> that means so much to me. I'm going to treasure that. No, no, that's not, that's not, what, that's not what I was looking for. <laughs> And it's so embarrassing because you're vulnerable. See, Jesus puts himself in a vulnerable place. He willingly came. He willingly comes to Jerusalem. And he pours out his life and he loves and he says, and, and what, am I going to find faith in me? I, I've, I've chosen you to love. And I've invited you. Arise, come with me. But, but are you going to come with me? Or will there be fruitlessness and faithlessness? Will there be a lack of love? Will there be a rejection of me? I mean, we know the answer because we know the story. 
When Jesus was coming down that Mount of Olives, he paused in the middle of everyone singing Hosanna. And do you know what he did? He wept. And you would say, what? Why weep? They're shouting Hosanna. But he knew that that shout was not the fruit. Wow. That it, that's, not the real, that's not the real representation of what's going to happen. The Bible says that Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Why? He says, because they did, he came, because he did, you did, speaking to Israel, not know the time and the hour of your visitation. He said, I came here and I presented myself and you missed it. You had the opportunity and you missed it. You were in the right place. I mean, can you imagine not just living in Israel, not just being Jewish, but that your Messiah comes in the flesh and you're here in Jerusalem. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer than this. And he's like, I came and I presented myself to you and you had the opportunity for faith. I said, I loved you. And you said, thank you. You missed it. And before we judge them, know that Jesus comes to us. And he's standing in front of the fig tree of the church. And the tree of your life. And no, he didn't just examine them. He's searching our lives. He searches your mind. He searches your heart. Man looks at the outside, looks good. God looks at the heart. And he's searching the deep places. And what is he looking for? He's looking for the fruit of faith. He's going through the leaves and he's looking for there to be life. He's looking for there to be more. He searches and he examines the deep places of his people. And the question is, if God was to stand before your life today and look deeply into it and search, what would he find? Would God find faith? Or would he find you just filled with doubt? Would God find love? Or would he find you filled with hatred? Would God find life? Would he find you filled with bitterness? Would God find a connection between you and him? I didn't say church attendance. I said a connection. A connection with the Almighty. A prayer life that's real. A prayer life that is on its way. And you, you might not be Watchman Nee just yet. You might not be Ian Bounds just yet. But you're praying. And you're seeking, and you're looking, and you're searching. If Jesus was to examine your life, here's the question. Would he find forgiveness flowing from it? Or would he find you all bound up, unable to forgive others, unable to, forget, to receive forgiveness yourself? Would he find mercy? Would he find grace? Because make no mistake, he's standing before you today. He's knocking, and he's searching, and he's looking for fruit. Jesus tells us this. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And if you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. I can do some things. Yeah, but it's nothing. Yeah, but, but I got, I've got like awards on my shelf. Yeah, but it's nothing. Yeah, but like people, they really like that. Yeah, but it's nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing that has any eternal meaning. But with Jesus, if you remain in me, I love that word remain, because it's not a short-term thing. 
He doesn't say if you prayed a prayer once, if you went to church on Easter, if you were around, if your parents were Christian, if you were part of a Christian nation. No, he says, I want you to abide. I want you to be close. I want there to be a relationship and a connection. No, if you remain in me and I with you, you will bear much fruit. I pray that there's fruit from your life. I pray there's fruit in your home. I pray there's faith in your mind. I pray there's faith in your children. I pray there's faith in your words, faith in your speech, faith in your action. I pray it's a fruitful life, 30, 60, and 100 fold. But when Jesus went before the nation of Israel, he found nothing but leaves. When I read that verse this week when I was preparing, it, it struck me to the heart. There's just something so sad in the midst of the hope about it. That he would even come. And he was even hungry. That there was a desire from God to be with us. He found nothing but leaves. The expectation was let down. The moment was missed. They had the look. But not the life. That's the problem with leaves. From a distance, the tree looks good. But you got to understand, a fig tree does not exist just to leaf. It exists to produce figs. There's got to be fruit. From the distance, it looked healthy, but I want you to understand something about Jesus. Jesus expects fruitfulness. you got to understand this about Jesus. Jesus has an expectation of his people, and he is right to expect something from his people. You were bought with a price. A high price was paid. And now there's expectation from his people. And what is Jesus' expectation? It's fruitfulness. It's faithfulness. This is what James was getting at when he wrote to us and said, but some of you will say, well, you have faith and, and I have works. But he says, why don't you show me your faith apart from your works? But he says, no, I'll show you my faith by my works. He's saying you can't separate these things. You can't have leaves but no fruit. He's saying you can't have show and presentation but not the reality. James is saying, no, I'll show you that I've got faith because you'll see the fruit. You'll see the fruit. You'll be able to touch and taste the reality of what my faith is. See, we have an issue with this because we have a culture that, we have a culture that glorifies lack of expectation, if I could put it that way. We have a culture that doesn't understand. Maybe I would even say vilifies expectations. Well, you're asking something of me? Well, you're telling me there's boundaries? Wait a minute, wait a minute, there, there's, there's a give and take? We have a culture that barely believes that there is such a thing as right and wrong. How could you expect me to act like you're expecting me to act? My definition of right is not your definition of right. No expectations. And so we would even put that on Jesus. Jesus, hold on. You're supposed to just love and be quiet. You're supposed to just grace and let me do my thing. Love means never having to apologize. That's not love. That's emotional manipulation. That's unhealth. No, there's expectations. There's a give and take. And so when, when Jesus shows up to our society... We might have a hard time even comprehending him because Jesus believes in truth and Jesus believes in consequences. It's not that there's no grace, but there might be consequences. 
to bring you back onto the path of righteousness. And so when Jesus comes before the nation, when he comes before his people, when he comes before us, the question is, will he find leaves or will he find fruit? A generation that believes raising awareness is the same as action. But it's not. There's a difference. And I, 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 I can't... I feel like I can't present this any clearer that presentation cannot become the point of our Christianity. That our look and our sound, maybe one of the worst things that could happen to church is how cool we've become. Because we say, look at us. Look at our church. We sound good. We look good. The preacher wears sneakers. It's cool. Maybe that's one of the worst things that could ever happen is looking and sounding and acting like the world and receiving awards from them. I wonder if, if Paul would show up at some of our Christian events and be like, who are they worshiping? What is happening? It, it, it's like we can quickly forget that, that worship can turn inward quickly. That's Lucifer. Instantly. And I think emotions are good. They're good. But I want you to know that they're not indications of, of health or fruit. I say that because sometimes we say, like, it was so good, I cried. When they prayed, I cried. I felt. But that's not necessarily the Holy Spirit. In fact, sometimes <laughs> when I've seen the Holy Spirit really move, the emotion isn't crying. It's anger and getting up and storming out. And the Holy Spirit saying, I'm talking to you. Ah, you don't want me to preach about that. I'll move on. No, you don't want me to talk about that. But I've seen it. I remember one time I was preaching in a, I was sitting in a, a service where the preacher was preaching a very convicting word. It was hardcore. I mean, it was so convicting. It went around the nation, went viral. And I was sitting there and the guy next to me was cursing the entire time under his breath, cursing. <laughs> and then by the end of the sermon, the pastor said, and if you have been, you know, rejecting this word, don't you dare come up for communion. The guy got up and left. And I was like, this is an effective sermon. <laughs> what I'm saying is we cannot become people that have an idolatry of numbers. When God looks down, he doesn't look at our, our, the square footage of our buildings. Oh, look at, they've got five campuses. Look. That's not what he sees as fruit. Look how many albums they sold. Look, look how cool these guys are. Look how moving the sermon is. That's not what he's searching for. That's leaves. Fruit, something very much different. What is God looking for? Well, the Bible says a broken and a contrite heart he will not despise. What was Jesus looking for from Israel? Repentance. He was looking for a life that was going to be lived in repentance. Leaving old and childish and immature things behind. And growing up into godliness. See, religion's message right now is God loves you. And God loves anything you do. And nothing is required of you. But that's dead religion. The gospel is that God loves you despite what you've done. And now he requires all of you, body, mind, and soul. 
So when Jesus, when he stands before this tree and he sees no fruit, sees no faith, it now has to enter under the curse of Adam. It's the curse of death. And Jesus says, may you never, may you never bear fruit again because you missed your moment of opportunity. And I want to flash forward for a moment to let you know that we don't have to live under that curse. Because though that tree was cursed, Jesus hung on a tree. The Bible says, curse is the man that hangs on a tree. He took our curse so that we might have life. But you must understand what's happening here. Jesus is confronting fruitless faith. And Jesus is not afraid to confront. We miss this part of Jesus sometimes. But he's not afraid to confront. And he's not afraid to be ostracized. And he's not afraid to be disagreed with. He's not afraid to confront. Especially fruitless faith. And so from this moment right here, Jesus speaks to his disciples and teaches them about what? Teaches them about faith. Because see, this, this was a sermon illustration of sorts. This tree represented all of Israel. And he moved from this tree and he walks into the temple. From that moment right to the next moment, Jesus is trying to show us what it looks like to have a fruitless faith. And he comes into the temple. And this is the moment where he turns the tables over in the temple. You remember that moment? Why? Because it had the look, but it didn't have the fruit. It had the temple and the grandeur and the stones and the high priests and the synagogues. And it had the law and the sacrifice of lambs. It had it all. But you know what it was missing? Faith. What was it missing? Prayer. Jesus says, this isn't my house. This isn't my fruit. You've turned it into a marketplace. It's become about money. and It's become about influence. It's become about getting what you want from people. This isn't my house. My house shall be called the house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of thieves and robbers. It's come about influence and corporations, but that's not my house. That's leaves. My house is about miracles. My house is about hope. My house is about sacrifice. Jesus says, I'm going to tear this temple down. They said, how could you? Our forefathers built this thing. He says, this time is over. I'm going to be the new temple. And if you're lonely, you come to me. And if you're hurting, you come to me. And if you need relationship, you come to me. And I will make your life fruitful. This is what John the Baptist was warning about. Before Jesus came, he tried to let everybody know. He starts off his ministry with this word. He says, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Now's the time to change. And don't presume to yourselves and say, we have Abraham as our father. Well, I could update this verse. Don't presume to yourself and say, well, I go to church. Don't presume to yourself, say, I prayed a prayer. Well, I'm I'm, I'm a Christian. We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, God's able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. So what must we do? He says, even now, the ax is laid to the root of the trees, and every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit It's cut down and thrown into the fire. 
God is examining the fruit of churches right now. And I mean that in the capital C. And this isn't a new thing. This has been going on for the past three or four years. We're in a season of pruning. Now, you have to understand when God cuts, it's not because he's angry or mad. He's saying you haven't produced, therefore you're out. Because those who produce can't start taking on your qualities. That's pruning. He wants the fruitfulness to grow in its harvest. So when God looks at the church, he wants to see the, the fruit of faith. And well, what's that? Well, that's salvations. I'm thankful that every Sunday, people get saved at our church. I don't ever want to become familiar with that. That's real. That's fruit. When God looks at the church, he's looking for strong doctrine. He's looking for preaching the word of God and teaching the word of God. Whether the world agrees or likes it or amends it or not. Maybe a little bit more rejection would do the church good. Make us like Jesus. And I'm not saying that Jesus doesn't inspire. I think he does. But after you're all inspired, he says, okay, now change everything. <laughs> change everything now. The rich young ruler says, can I follow you? Jesus says, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Sell all that you have. Ugh. Huh. All right. Can I get back to you? <laughs> I pray that the church begins to get a clearer view on what good fruit is. Because we've been trapped into believing leaves are fruit. James says true religion is caring for the widow and the orphan in their distress. Jesus says, every time that you fed the hungry and you clothed the naked and you visited me in prison, you weren't just doing it to them, you were doing it to me. That's fruit. We begin to enact the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our church and in ourselves. That's fruit. And I, I, I hope our church grows, but the numbers are not the fruit. And I, I, I like that our church is kind of cool. But the look is not the fruit. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be going to the woman's prison here in Rhode Island. God's been opening doors. I want you to know, when you, when you give food to those people on a rainy Saturday afternoon, God does see that. Oh, that's what I've been looking for. When you come to the altar on Sunday and Every Sunday I'm hearing catastrophic stories, but I'm also hearing amazing miracles. God says, that's where I'm working. That's the fruit. When you begin to change your patterns, a young man at first service was baptized, and he said, I've come to the church, and I'm walking in sobriety. God looks down, and he says, that's, that's some fruit. We're going to go to this woman's, ministry, uh, this woman's um, uh, prison, with, and we're going to minister to them in a, in a couple of, of weeks here for Mother's Day. You know, that they haven't been able to touch or hold their children in the last two years. They've just been able to interact with them via screen because of COVID rules. And so the church, and We Heart, has been able to put on an event inside the prison where the children are going to be able to come and the mothers are going to be there. They're going to be able to play board games together and talk together and take photos together. And That's the fruit. 
That's the fruit. And I'd ask you, examine your own life today. Because Jesus is examining your life today. And the question is, will he see the look or will he find the real? I pray that you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifesting in your life. Love and joy and peace. And I want you to know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that there's fruit. I've never told this story, but I think I will. One time I was, I was talking to a news reporter for a Christian magazine about an awakening conference. And he called me to interview me. To, I was a teenager starting this conference, and they wanted to ask, you know, what's the goal and everything. And, and his daughter interrupted him. I forgot what she said. You heard her in the background. She was yelling. And he puts his hand over the phone, I guess he thought, and he turned and he screamed obscenities, the worst obscenities, at his teenage daughter. And he gets back on the phone, and he says, sorry about that. So will you tell me about, you know, uh, youth ministry and what you're hoping for for youth? And it was like, hey, you know what? You might be doing the work of a Christian journalist, but you need the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your home. I didn't even want to give the rest of the interview. So I just felt like, why engage in this hypocrisy? You can print whatever you want, but you need to get your life right. And your daughter needs this conference because she needs some love to offset those curses. I pray we're not a church filled with the presentation of religious people. I pray we're a church that exemplifies the fruit of the Spirit. We might be moving from rocky soil into fertile soil, but we're on our way. You might be moving from thorny soil to fertile soil, but you're on your way. Some of you are moving from 30 to 60. You're giving more. You're learning more. You're engaging more. I want to bless that thing. But don't move backwards. Engage sacrifice. That's fruit. Engage in growth. That's fruit. Let's not settle for the look of the leaves when God desires to see the fruit of faith. May we not be like Adam and Eve, covering ourselves and our sin, pretending it's fine. And do you remember what kind of leaves they used to cover themselves? Fig leaves. It's religion. Covering themselves with excuses. Now, Lord, we want to be healed. We want to be forgiven. And we want to have faith that leads to fruitfulness. Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.